Hi there, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for November 18th, 2014. With me is journal hockey writer Jim Matheson. Hi, Maddie. Hello there. Jo- uh, journal hockey writer Joanne Ireland. Hello. Joanne. And journal sports columnist uh, John McKinnon. Good afternoon. Well, we're uh, sitting here going into the game against the Vancouver Canucks and coming off of this feels like a roller coaster ride. Lots of losses, lots of wins, lots of losses, lots of losses. That's a tongue twister in itself. We were talking yesterday, Maddie, about the identity of this team, and you and I were talking about this. And uh, does this team even have one right now? I mean, they're a they're a skilled young team, but they don't really have a lot of grit in their top two three lines. Uh, I don't think they've got an identity in the teams that don't win usually don't have one. They don't, they're kind of all over the map. Uh, the teams that win certainly have one. Every opposing coach comes in, says young, fast, skilled. Uh, that's the way the Oilers are. Uh, they're not so young anymore. Their average age is 26.8. They're not 23 years old anymore. They're you know, middle of the road. They're not that young. Uh, they are reasonably fast. I'm not sure, so sure how skilled they are. They're averaging you know, 44 goals in 18 games. That's not even three goals a game. So they're not that skilled either. Uh, I don't know what their identity is, but they better find one uh, because teams that win have one. And whether that's hard work, uh, whether that's killing you on the power play, whether that's sending, you know, nine aggressive forwards over the boards, I don't know what it is. But right now they're kind of all over the map. It's just a a mixture of of some good and, and the results are pretty bad. It's just a case of them not having the right mix of players among their skilled forwards. They, they I don't know. How long have we been hearing that? Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> going to say, that mixture's changed time and again. And, yeah, it's, we seem to be sitting here repeating ourselves. Podcast after podcast, season after season. Whatever their identity becomes will, will to me, be, be constructed around Nugent Hopkins, who has shown, to me, a great improvement this year. He's always a good player. But he's playing with much more aggressiveness, in my opinion. He, I think you see much more confidence yeah. uh, going into tough areas uh, um, and really uh, driving, as, as his coach says, driving the play. And Taylor Hall. <clears throat> I mean, uh, the the, uh, the the lack of identity of the Oilers is they're, if you want to put it that way, they, they're a perimeter team. Their best players play on the perimeter, except for Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Taylor Hall gets injured. How? Going to the net. Slams into the net. Hurts himself. Who else would have the chance to suffer that injury? <laughs> Not for any other player, and there'd be nobody. And uh, so, you know, you know, and I think teams defend them because you know, just sort of circle the wagons. Don't worry about those guys; they'll be out, out in the perimeter trying to make nifty plays. We don't have to worry about them coming. So that—that's what other teams would see as our identity. They're not very tough. They're—they're they're soft. And they're a one-line team right now. I mean, they, I shouldn't say one-line. They have their fourth line, but when we talk about skill and offense, I mean, it's all coming from that top line. And, you know, when Taylor came back from his knee injury, the the plan initially was to leave Pouliot on that top line, see if they can get Taylor to ignite another line, and that lasted for, what, all of one period? And uh, then he was back up with Nugent Hopkins and Everly. You, uh, yeah, there's uh, the secondary scoring is limited at best, but it would be helped if they got any scoring whatsoever from their defensemen. 
They haven't had offensive defensemen since Chris Pronger was on the Oilers with Yaroslav Spachek, yeah. and we're talking eight years now. In terms of a guy who, from the point who drives things offensively and can be counted on for 40 to 50 points. They haven't had that. And Calgary doesn't have much offense up front, but their offense comes from the back end where Mark Giordano has 21 points and the Oilers defense as a whole has 21 points. So if you get points from the back end, you know, you could live with the fact that you don't score as much up front. If there's no points from the defense and there's no points from the consistently from the second and third lines, that all adds up to an awful lot of uh, offense you're missing over, you know, in a 20-man roster. Um, that's hurting the orders right now. I mean, they may want to put Taylor Hall in another line to help it out, but you know, he drives. You want your best forward on the second line? I don't know. And so that's uh, where they are right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the defensemen. I mean, we're talking not only five on five, but when's the last time they scored a goal on the power play from the point? And they just don't have a threat there, and they haven't for a long time. So, what do they have? Six goals all told, their defensive <laughs> core. Giordano has six by himself. Well, they don't. They don't have one defenseman that that can ha- tee it up and hammer it, and then the other team's going, "Oh, this guy yeah. might score from there." They did have one with Brad Hunt, but he's playing back in the minors, which is, I think, why they kept Brad Hunt initially. after training camp initially because yeah. he could really shoot the puck from the point. But they don't. If you don't, if you if there's no uh, ability to score goals from the point on the power play, it, it, killing a penalty becomes somewhat easier because then you don't have to worry about the guy beating you from the point or getting the shot through and having a tip goal and the orders keep trying it getting it back to the point but I don't know how many tip goals I've seen in the last little while either you know maybe we're, we're beating a dead horse talking about Ryan Smith but when the orders were scoring goals in the power play that's how Ryan scored them and pretty really that's how David Perron should score them too that's you know getting you know getting to a rebound and getting the puck in the net. It, the, to me, the language of this team is the language of process. <clears throat> no matter what you're talking about, you know they're they're getting this in place. Uh, you know things are coming along. Their uh, uh, their possession stats are improving, and all the rest of it. And uh, I think the fan base is tired. I mean, the fan base. The only I think the only number they care about is victories, and the victories are not coming. And it's a, it's a vocabulary that strikes me as a vocabulary of, of failure. You know, looking for silver linings, you know, behind the very dark clouds. And at some point, people say, well, you can, you know, improve this aspect or that aspect all you want, but if you're not winning, uh, where are you going? And all, all of these components, to me, are, are, are symptomatic of, of a team that um, has become complacent about its, uh, about its record. Especially now that they're starting to play Western Conference teams more. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, they have 18 of their next 20 against Western Conference teams, and they have yet to win a game. So this is going to be one mighty long month. Well, they might somehow find a way to beat some of them. They will. I mean, the, I mean it's, yeah, it's improbable the, that they won't win. It's just a matter of when. But, you know. This I think a disturbing point is the Oilers, they've played 18 games now. I can count two or three games where from the start of the game till the end of the game they played really well and they beat that team. Yeah. The New York Rangers was by far their best game. They could have won the game 6 or 7 to 1. But there's so many other games where they either play their way into the game and are behind and then come hard at the end or 
you know, they start so slowly that you wonder if they're even playing the game, you know, and they're, they've given up more first period goals, I think, than any other team, 21 21, now. yep. So they're always, they're behind in the game. That's half their goals they've given up in the first period. Yeah. And, you know, I know the Oilers are big on uh, metrics. Uh, I would perhaps look at a stat that if you're behind after one period of play uh, in this league, you're losing 80% of the games. You don't rally and win the game. So if you're behind after one, you're not winning it. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I was in New York for that game, and, I mean, they did play well from start to finish, and when the game was over, they all talked about that being a possible turning point, and, you know, this was sort of going to be moving forward, this is the way they were going to play. Then they came home, and they <laughs> they were down, what, 3 nothing or 2 nothing early in the next game at home, and it's been downhill since. So Maddie's right, though. I mean, they, they, they played a five. They started out... For the first five minutes against Arizona, they played well, and then they sort of let their foot off the pedal or whatever they did, or maybe Arizona got interested, but then they're down two goals again, and it has become too common a refrain. That misdirected misdirected emotion, particularly misdirected rage. I mean, the, the, the guy that really comes to mind there is Ben Scrivens, a goalie, breaking his stick on the boards or breaking it on the crossbar or slamming it on the hallway in the, behind the locker room or whatever. And, and this doesn't help to me. It doesn't help at all. I mean, channel that anger. Get angry. Absolutely. Get angry and go do something. Don't get angry and, uh, you know, throw a temper tantrum in the locker room or in the... I have, know, no, problem. I have no problem with temper tantrums. <laughs> Kevin Lowe had one about every two weeks, and he was an awfully good player, and he hated losing. And I can't get inside the head of this current Oiler team, but I, I don't know if there's enough players that hate losing. I'm sure uh, Taylor Hall does. He's been on this team for five years now. He's pretty tired of losing. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Matt Hendricks for sure, Boyd Gordon. You know, Jordan has been here for a long time. But instead of rationalizing losses after the game, that you know, I thought we did some good things out there, and, you know, there's no puck luck, just get mad. Yell at us if you want. See, I'm not talking to you like Phil Kessel would say. Go away. I'm not talking to you. But show something other than the, the rationalization that we're, we're, we're playing well. And I think that maybe comes back to the it's part of the process. Well, you know, that's fine, part of the process. And I agree with John that, that every team needs some sort of, you know, steps to get to where they want to get to. But uh, this is professional sport where the only things that count are wins and losses over an 82-game season. Where is that going to come from, though? Because we don't have a player, you know, everybody's trying to rationalize these losses. Rationalize, you know, the fact they haven't played, you know, a complete game other than perhaps the Rangers game. Uh, all, you know, you hear a lot of positive vibes, trying to keep the the mood positive. Does it start with the coach? I mean, I mean obviously a lot of things do. The coach is pretty calm behind the bench. Uh, if this is junior hockey, this whole stick rack would be on the ice or something like that. But... You know, he's trying to keep an even keel. And I think you have to keep an even keel after games. Never Don't get too high when you win a game. Don't get too low when you lose a game. But um, the Oilers are they're not flatline. They're not a flatline team. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of fire there myself. And I, that's just the makeup of the team. I don't know what it is, but there's not a lot of fire. And I hate to keep coming back to the team down the road but there's more fire in their game than there is in the Edmonton Oilers game and that would be the most disturbing thing if I was an Edmonton Oilers fan the team down the road 
And I saw the quote today from Bob Hartley saying we're a resilient team with resilient players. And they don't, you know, when things get tough, they're getting tougher. So um, I think that orders have to dig in. I mean, they have to get to 500 somehow. And they can't keep win a game, lose a game, and they're always four games under 500. They have to at least get to 500, poke their nose of, above the water and say, okay, we're on our way now. Does Hartley throw some raw meat out in the ice during practice <laughs> or something? Or? Uh, I don't think so. But well, and Calgary's also had a very good goaltender, and he's helped them win a lot of games too. But, you know, they are they do play hard. I mean, there's no question. And there's something to be said for that sort of tireless work ethic. You can win games in this league with a yep. tireless work ethic. You're not going to win games with a tireless work ethic once you get to the playoffs because the other team's got the same tireless work ethic you do with maybe more skill. But you can get to the playoffs, as Nashville showed for several years and Phoenix showed for several years with, you know, not the greatest teams, but they worked very hard and both teams made the playoffs. Maybe the Oilers who have their team psychologist around should be leaning on her more if it really is a confidence thing because they keep... They've been preaching that a lot this week, that they just haven't learned how to get over that hurdle and how to close games and how to win games. And I'm thinking, well, there's a couch, there's a psychologist, figure it out. Yeah, the, 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 that sort of emotional pitch for a team, to me, has to come. I mean, the coach can set a tone for it. Ultimately, it's got to come from your leaders. Yeah. And uh, with the Oilers, I mean, as I say, the, the two guys that you would follow – right away would be Hall and Nugent Hopkins. I'm not sure how many other guys are actually demonstrating, okay, uh, you know, we got to turn this around here. Like literally grabbing hold of the game and, uh, you know, with a vengeance and and um, and driving things. Uh, I mean, they got some players who have good I – mean, Justin Schultz got all kinds of, of talent and especially offensive talent. I'm not sure I've ever seen him sort of take the game over and say, okay, that's enough of this. Um so uh, they may lack actually players. <laughs> I think David Perron is trying to do that a lot of the time. He, the, he's he's having a tough year so far. Yeah. That's part of his deal, um, which is a function of injuries or you know off season um, healing of his hip and so forth. Um, but I mean, it has to come from the team. It has to, to me, it has to come from the players, and I'm not sure I see it. Well, I hope we have uh, other themes to. Uh, wax poetic on other than the we team. never got to the goaltending <laughs> oh didn't we no here I am trying to wrap things up but oh the goal it's fine no, what about I, the goaltending well I, I think the goaltending's been on certain nights fine but over the long haul you can't win games in the National Hockey League with save percentages under nine that used to be the bar if you're not to nine you're you're not playing very well but now it's even maybe nine ten nine fifteen for a goaltender now save percentage so it's under which is Devin Dubnik's save percentage, which, I think it was. Which is the game. not good enough. And, you know, if you're stopping 9 out of 10 and you're giving up 30 shots a game, it means you've, the other team's already got three goals in the bag. It means you've got to score four. And uh, they need more saves. And just one more thing that, you know, we have to look at. And I don't think either goaltender, I think it's Joanne brought up last week, has grabbed it by the throat and said, I'm the goaltender now. And I'm... You, rest assured I'm the goaltender they just kind of play for for a while play good for a while and then they drop off a bit and then they go to the other guy so I think one of those two goaltenders we're 20 games in now yeah. one you, of them you one of them now. should yeah. have said you know what yeah. I'm the goaltender yeah. I'm the starter I'm not this isn't one and one a I'm the starter and to this point 
that has to happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the coach didn't help that situation by framing it from the beginning <laughs> as I got two guys. I don't have one and one A or one and one A and one B. I got two guys. I mean, it's I, who I don't know. And then there's been a couple of uh, nicks here and there among the goalies. But if I were those goalies and the coach is basically taking me off the hook from actually going out and and taking it because uh, I'm hey I'm 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 number one no matter what I do. I, I I'm not sure that was a the best way to let her rip. I mean, if you want competitive, if you want a competitive uh, battle between your goalies, he ghosted right there. But but he also has run with a goaltender if he has played well. So the opportunity's been there. Neither of them has seized it. So I don't, you know, neither have seized it for any length of time, which is what goaltenders who have not been starters, yeah. that's, that's why they're not starters. They haven't got to that point yet where they can play 60 games. They play well for five, but then there's a drop-off, and then, you know, hopefully the guy gets it back. So, But one of these two goaltenders should be, should have grabbed this by now. And, you know, I don't know if Victor Faust is hurt, but I know that Ben Skibbins lost a game, and they came right back with him last game against Arizona, rather than, even though he'd given up six goals of the seven in the loss in, in Arizona, so they came right back with him. So, you know, they're not obviously as high as they were on Victor as they were, you know, in training camp. And I suppose it is disappointing, you know. I mean, obviously they haven't started the season off the way they any team would want to, but you know the way Scrivens, you know, ended his year last year. You know, came in here had that 59 save performance against San Jose. You know, obviously Foss was injured at the end of the year last season, but you know Scrivens, you know, I think in some people's minds was. Pretty much the number one goalie heading into camp, even heading into the season. Even though Foss did get the start and did look better, I guess, at training camp. Um, but is it, you know, part of that, the psychology side of it, too? Can we go, you know, there's an awful lot of pressure on any goalie. I mean, and, you know, particularly this defense, which, you know, hasn't exactly lived up to, you know, I'm not even sure what level we expected to see it from them. But the defense is better this year than it was last well, year. But okay. but this is also a team that gave 25 of their goals in the first five games of yeah. this season, so they didn't get off to that is true a good start, and that obviously had to play into this a little bit. Um, you know, and there's no quick solution. I'm, Josh Harding was out on waivers this week, and um, I would have been shocked if they would have considered him. But, you know, there's no ready fix there. And I think, you know, the, the real kicker was, of course, Devin Dubnik coming in here and and um, playing the way he did. I mean, <laughs> that just sort of <laughs> magnified the problem. And, uh, you know, it sort of does sort of beg the question, though. I mean, is was it just a change of scenery for Devin? Was it a new coach? Is the goaltending coach here a bit of an issue? I mean, these are all sort of questions now sort of that are sort of coming to the fore. And... You know, I think Devin, I heard an interview with him post-game after Sunday's game here, and he had said that one of the benefits for him was working with Sean Burke and staying on his feet longer. And, you know, we've seen it here. Devin, more often than not, as soon as the puck was coming at him, was down on his knees. And we could never figure out why a six-foot-four goaltender would want to take away that height advantage. So maybe, you know, that's something they're going to have to really sort of seriously look at here. All right. Well, again, I guess we'll maybe have something slightly different to talk about next week. But uh, thanks very much, everybody. And, uh, you know, the Oilers have some, you know, the Canucks tomorrow. They haven't beaten them all season. And this will be their, what is it, fourth, fourth game. meeting? Fourth game. And, of course, the Blackhawks on Saturday, no, not this Truth is, New Jersey. they play good against the Blackhawks. 
And Vancouver. And, well, it, friendly, they play good against the Blackhawks. For a, a, even when they were a good team, they somehow yeah. would score tons of goals against the Blackhawks. So yeah, they just need good. that W, don't they? So they got skilled against the Blackhawks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they do. <laughs> How can that be? That is hard to know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.